0: Well, folks, we made it to December of 2020, and this year has been crazy. You should treat yourself this holiday season with a prime rib, and not just any prime rib. You need a United Harvest Wagyu Angus Cross prime rib for you and your family to chow down on, throw it in the smoker for hours, hours, literally, please do this. Send us some photos. I would love to see it. Enjoy it with your family because you you need it, okay? This year sucked, guys. Come on. Go to unitedharvest.com. Check out the specials that they are having on their prime rib and any other meat that they have in stock. It's incredible meat. Trust me. I've tried it. Unitedharvest.com. Type in the promo code friends fifteen. For 15% off your first order, unitedharvest.com. This is the show with Cannon
1: Brown. Strong, assertive women that have their crap together, know what they want, stand up for what they believe in, and have a voice, scare the shit out of people. And, and I that is a hill I will die on. That last few minutes might have been a little confusing. You'd like to
0: know who I was talking to, wouldn't you? what's going on guys welcome back to another beautiful week of 2020 we're still alive guys the aliens haven't come down just yet they will don't worry they're coming um it's gonna get weird in 2021 that's my prediction shout out uh hello welcome back to the show i'm your host canon brown weird intro i've got a great guest for you guys today Jenna Siegel. She goes by many names. I'm gonna call her Jenna for now. Um I, I I didn't know Jenna personally. I didn't even know where she was from, honestly. When we got on the phone call, I didn't know where she was from. But you know what's funny about um guessing where people are from in the Midwest? It doesn't matter where you guess, because it's all the same. Like she's from Ohio. I was like, aren't you from Illinois? She's like, No, I'm just from Ohio. But she knew it was okay. That's just how the Midwest is. I mean, some people get a little defensive um i mean i'm from arizona i i have no idea what they're feeling like i'm just over here in the southwest with my turquoise so jenna's a great gal uh i saw a lot of her tweets and and i i know she's very vocal about her opinions uh on social media and i appreciate that i like to give people a platform for that um and jenna knocked it out of the park she gave me a great episode great interview and we talk about a lot of good things If you guys listen to The Keeper Pen at all uh, With uh, Maddie Caldwell and Jenna Wheeler They're having a season 2 Boss Babes uh, Edition where they just interview influ- Influential women And I feel like I'm I just like have like This is one of my uh, c- contributions To their uh, season right here I feel like I'm kind of taking their thunder Having Jenna on um, Because she lays it out here And I appreciate it And I think you guys will too so that's enough of me talking obviously uh, i talk too much let's do it miss jenna siegel you're safer here than any place else now just lock yourself in and keep quiet okay well how are you this morning
1: i am fabulous how are you
0: i'm doing okay i can't complain <laughs> too much it's a uh, it's my, a nice saturday morning
1: it's a beautiful saturday my roommate and i went and got crispy cream this morning Nothing hits quite like a Krispy Kreme donut on a Saturday, so I am freaking fabulous. I'm ready.
0: (laughs) I haven't had a Krispy Kreme in a long time, actually.
1: Me neither, and we found that there there was one like 10 minutes away from where we live, so you better believe we went and got a Krispy Kreme donut.
0: Yeah, you have to. I mean, if it's that proximity, you might as well just take advantage of the Krispy Kreme donut because you're 100% right. There isn't anything like it.
1: No, no. A glazed donut... It's good, but a Krispy Kreme glazed donut, it's just it's not it's on a whole different level.
0: For sure. Gosh, donuts. Now I'm in the mood for a donut. How dare you, Jenna? <laughs> I we're know. Su-
1: I'm sorry. Now we're supposed to do I'm a sorry. now
0: we're we're supposed to do a podcast episode now and you got me thinking about donuts. I know.
1: I know. I'm sorry. And we we had talked about it for so long and once we found out that there was a crispy cream we talked about it and talked about it and talked about it, but We finally made it happen this morning. They weren't warm, if that makes you feel any better. They were just like regular room temperature donuts. They weren't warm. So, I mean, if that gives you any consolation to the fact that you don't have a donut, at least we didn't eat warm ones.
0: That makes me feel better.
1: Because a warm Krispy Kreme donut, a warm one, that it's unbeatable.
0: That is 100% unbeatable. And I, I thank you for letting me know. Uh, that it wasn't warm. My jealousy has gone nope. down. <laughs> um, now we know that it was not a warm donut, so I'm okay. I, I'm sure the listeners are okay now um, yeah. from hearing that you didn't warm, eat the warm one.
1: Yeah, but I will tell you, we messed up a little because we went to Krispy Kreme and we're like, oh, we'll get coffee with our donuts, right? Because, you know, coffee donuts go together. The Krispy Kreme coffee is extremely disappointing. Like, the donuts, they knock out of the park. The coffee, oh, it was oh. it was like cheap. It was like the cheap Hills of West Virginia gas station coffee that you get when you don't have another choice. That's what it tasted like. And it was utterly disappointing. But the donuts, so, I mean, again, if that's more consolation that we had bad coffee with the donuts, yeah, that's that's where we're at this morning.
0: I'm not a big coffee fan anyway. I know. I'll probably get heckled for this. What? One. Yeah, I have not. I've never what? been a huge coffee person in my entire life.
1: Oh, my life. God. It's my I lifeline.
0: Know. I'm oh the worst. Oh, my God. <laughs> how dare I don't have – How dare uh, you?
1: But think about how much money you save because white girls love coffee. So, I mean – I, I'm a white girl, so I can say that. And white girls spend a lot of money on coffee. And if I didn't like it, I would save so much. So, I mean, though I I really can't believe you don't like coffee, I'm a little jealous of that accommodation you have made to your life to save money.
0: You know what? Have you ever been to Dutch Bros?
1: No, I haven't. Have you not. ever heard of that? I've heard of it, but I've never been.
0: It's, it's a really good place on the West Coast. I, I'm pretty sure it's... Mainly on the West Coast, but it's a very, very good coffee place. And that's about the only place that I'll get anything like coffee-wise. But past that, I mean, if I'm at like maybe a – maybe Christmas morning. Christmas morning, a black cup of coffee actually sounds decent to me for some reason. I don't know what it is.
1: It's Well, it's Christmas. It's the Christmas spirit. I get it. That's fair.
0: You know what? You know, coffee is actually like – the coffee industry as a whole is just an interesting interesting topic because it is a part of like the agricultural sector but it's definitely not something that we think of or it's not something that i think of in an agriculturalist sense
1: yeah so actually now that you say that fun fact so when In 2018, and I'm sure we'll come back to this at some point, um, we sold our sow herd, my family did, and my stepdad always said when we sell our sows, we're going to go to Hawaii. It was his thing. So we went to Hawaii and, you know, we're there and everybody talks about the Dole Plantation and the pineapples and all the fruit that's grown in Hawaii. Well, now in Hawaii, all of the Dole Plantations are transitioning over to growing coffee because the industry is so strong, and because there is that kind of need for it, I guess. Because for some reason, um, there's that push from the owners or whatever. So now the Dole Plantation is is starting to grow coffee and stuff, pineapple.
0: So just a fun
1: fact there. Yeah, isn't that weird?
0: That is definitely weird. I mean, that's a that's a huge transition, I I would think.
1: Yeah. Yep. So there's your fun tidbit of facts for the day for the coffee industry. The Dole plantation. It's going to be Dole coffee soon.
0: The coffee industry is weird. I mean that it's like it all stems from like one country, but then like isn't it from, isn't all coffee from like Nicaragua? I'm pretty sure. And then they just like yeah, transported like out that. from somewhere there? in
1: South America
0: it's somewhere yeah. Yeah. yeah and i i am butchering this for for a guy that doesn't drink any coffee i'm sure acting like i know a lot about coffee here.
1: <laughs> well i mean all those people in south america whoever nicaragua wherever you say they got to be making bank because think about how much coffee people drink honestly like that's a hell of an industry to be in
0: oh 100% and it's just like Ugh, i don't even want to get into it it's just such a it's so weird i mean it's like uh it's like it's like all those california agriculture industries like the almonds
1: yeah uh, or yep.
0: pistachios all yep. like those specialty kind of um harvest plants or those industries are just so complex that it's just hard to even understand what it is it's not like corn i mean everyone yeah. understands like most of your corn is going to go to like livestock feed that Everyone kind of knows that, but all this other specialty harvest plant is is very interesting.
1: Yeah. And it's just especially being from the Midwest, it's just crazy to think of the fact that even like when we were in Hawaii, you're just driving down the road and there's fields of freaking pineapples off on the side of the road. Like what? I'm just used to seeing corn and snow and cows. Like this is insane. Yeah. So I can only imagine what it's like living somewhere like California like you said that have those niche markets
0: to think about just like getting up every morning and just like yep got to go farm my pineapples i that just <laughs> sounds ridiculous i know that people do it and we don't i shouldn't look at it like that but it's just funny
1: i know i agree 100% 100%
0: okay jenna let's <laughs> let's get into you. what, do you, what do you saying <laughs> yeah, well, now, yeah,
1: now we're, that we coffee tangent. yeah now that we
0: just uh now that we delve deep into um, the coffee and, and Hawaiian agriculture, which I would like to actually know more of in the future. If you have more uh, quick facts about Hawaiian agriculture, you let me know.
1: Yeah, I will absolutely.
0: Perfect, um, Jenna. Are you? You're from Illinois, aren't you?
1: No. So actually, my my background is very interesting and i guess it's a very unique story so i can kind of talk about it um i was actually born in Cyrus, ohio so shout out to crawford county ohio love you shout out um, i was born shout out love Cyrus. i am so excited to be back there in about 10 days pumped up um so i'm from Be um both of my parents were raised in the industry so Uh, My mom um, showed cattle and pigs growing up. Her dad and her mom, you know, did row crops. They fed out fat steers and a lot. And then my dad uh, grew up raising seed stock cattle. So I have a really good background there, but again, from Ohio. And I guess something that's interesting and unique about my background that not very many people know is I actually have divorced parents, which I know isn't very rare, but it makes my story interesting in the sense that When I showed livestock, I showed with both of my parents, so it's kind of an interesting concept to wrap your head around, but um, my mom married uh, Rick Fogle, if anybody in the swine industry is familiar with him, so um, had a really, really strong background there, raising pigs. We had about 80 to 100,000 a time, purebreds, crossbreds, everything in between, Uh, showed Pigs at the national level, um, had a really incredible opportunity growing up there. But then in the same sense, when I was with my dad, I was showing cattle. I was showing pigs with him as well. So it was just a very interesting concept growing up, you know, having animals at two different houses, having two totally different groups of people that you kind of ran around with and having the opportunity to experience that with both of your parents. So that was just interesting and a very... Uh, different upbringing. I feel like a lot of people that, you know, come from divorced families really only stick with one or the other when it comes to showing livestock, because that can, of course, get a little complicated. But I was fortunate to make it work with both of them, and that was really fun. So, grew up in Ohio. Um,
0: Wait, hold on, hold on, we're going to have to stop you. Hold on, we're going to have to stop you. (laughs) Because we can, hold on, there is a lot to unpack from that. Okay, so.
1: Yeah, there's a lot there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I uh, I too had divorced parents. Uh like from yeah. uh, my parents divorced when I was like 2 years old. So I don't really remember them being together. They they both remarried and are happily married, but I uh, I only showed pigs on my when I was with my mom. Be- it, but that was because yeah, my dad Isn't that
1: weird? It is,
0: but but also I had a little bit of a different situation where my dad wasn't really he my dad didn't show livestock. My dad was kind right. of like a city guy. It was my mom's side of the family that kind of showed livestock so it was kind of normal for me to stick to that side but your deal where you have two different yeah. sets of livestock at two different yeah. houses did, yeah. where did your so dad live it's
1: it's crazy okay so let me break it down here it's very complicated but like i said it was just it was fun and looking back i have no idea how we made it work but we did so i like i said i was born in besyrus I lived in Bucyrus. I went to school in Bucyrus. That's my hometown. Love that place with all of my heart and soul. And then when my mom married my stepdad, she moved about half an hour south of where my dad lived. So there's about half an hour time difference between the two. And my mom and stepdad had, like I said, we had sows, we raised pigs, we sold pigs, we did the whole purebred thing. You know, we were in the NSR in the CPS sold the 4-H and FFA kids. So that was a really, you know, big opportunity, right? Big stage. So when I was with my mom and Rick, I showed pigs at the national level and at the state fair. And that was what I did with them. And then with my dad, I showed pigs at the county level. And like at the local level, and then I showed cattle everywhere with my dad. I didn't have any cattle with my mom and Rick. And then as I got older, and I did that for eight years, nine years, I believe. That sounds about right. And then my last, I don't know, three years showing, um, I transitioned fully with my mom and Rick, and I did all the pigs with them, um, showed some sheep as well so like it's very complicated (laughs) and a lot of people probably think that sounds crazy and it was crazy but um yeah we made it work it was it was fun it was interesting that's for sure but i have an older sister which this is another thing i have an older sister and she only showed with my mom and my stepdad so like we we were showing livestock all the time everywhere with both sets of parents and it definitely got complicated from time to time. But yeah, that's, that's what we did.
0: (laughs) That is, that sounds like a lot. I mean, something to keep you busy. (laughs) for sure.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, it was. And people still get confused about it. Like, especially because my mom and Rick raised livestock for so long. I mean, people that know my whole family and kind of know the history, they'll ask my dad, they'll be like, So, do you still have sows he's like i never had sows (laughs) yeah it's just like it's a big mess I, i it worked it was fun we loved it i had a really good opportunity to you know experience that with both sets of parents and everybody was involved in it and everybody's passionate about it so that was always really fun but definitely Probably got a couple of confused faces from time to time. (laughs) Well,
0: but I I appreciate you sharing that because I feel like the more and more we go through this, the more time passes, there's going to be more relationships like this where kids are going to have to either do what I did and kind of pick a side or best of both worlds, if you have two parents that like showing livestock – you have two different sets and you just get double trouble every single week and every single weekend
1: yeah i
0: I thought it was cool how you said you kind of ran with different crews depending on what house you were at that that would just be yeah wild
1: yeah it was and i would say if anybody's ever in the position where because i mean i was faced with that decision like i said you know in my last few years i did just show primarily with my mom and stepdad and kind of made the transition But if you're in the position where, you know, you're backed into a corner and you do have to choose, do what's best for you. Um, it's, it's a tough position to be in and you say you have divorced parents, so I'm sure you understand as well, but your parents love you at the end of the day and there's more important things than showing livestock. So don't, don't, you know, feel as if you have to please somebody or do something with somebody because, you know, showing livestock costs money. Just have fun with it. Cause even though it was crazy at the time, looking back, I'm really grateful. That I got to do it with my mom, I got to do it with my dad, I got to do it with my stepdad and my sister, and we were all able to work together and make it work.
0: Yeah, and it's actually now that I'm thinking about it, it's it was really nice for you, I bet, just because you had that support system built on both sides. I I remember when I yeah. was showing, I like sometimes my dad didn't understand why I needed to take a week off during county fair or yep. Go to judging trips. He he, like there was some times where he was absolutely furious that I was getting off school because of FFA or yeah ag stuff, and because he, he didn't understand. So yeah,
1: and yeah, don't that, get me wrong, nice. it wasn't always perfect. <laughs> it wasn't always perfect because of course you know with that with that being said, you know obviously you know having two two sets of parents that are very passionate about the same thing, um, and at that two sets of extremely competitive parents and I am easily the most competitive human you'll ever meet in your life. Uh, Obviously there was a little bit of tension from time to time, but I think all of it was always, everything was always supportive. Everybody was always doing it for the right reasons. And we all were just as excited um, for one another, whether it was, you know, my sister doing well with my parents on my mom's side or me doing well with my dad. It was always a very, environment and like I said, I'm grateful that I got to do that with all of my parents.
0: I, um, I have one more question regarding this and yeah, I, of course. it might be dumb, but you said that your <laughs> your folks lived about 30 minutes apart when they were split up. Now, I'm assuming yeah. jackpot shows, I mean, when you would go to a jackpot show, did you have hogs on one side of the barn and hogs on the other side of the barn? Did you show both sets at jackpots or what what was what was that whole scenario?
1: So, um, I actually have never in my life shown a pig at a jackpot show. Never. Oh,
0: once. okay. I
1: have. Yeah, I have jackpotted calves. I have shown pigs at county fairs. I've shown it every national show I think off the top of my head. I don't know. Um, shown at the state fair, but I have actually never shown at a jackpot show in my life. So Okay. I know that's kind of a wild concept, especially because that's a big growing environment. But uh, when we had sows with my mom and Rick, um, we were a closed herd. So we did not jackpot. We didn't do anything to that nature. And then um, when I did have pigs with my dad, we were jackpotting cattle so much that we just primarily focused on that. So I've actually never been in that situation.
0: Okay, that answers that question for me. That makes sense, though, that you were hurt yeah, yeah. over at your mom's.
1: Yep, yep, and and honestly, like I, my sister and I had both kind of wished at one point that we could jackpot, but we had so much going on. I don't even know if we could have made that happen, to be honest.
0: Yeah, there's some definite pros and cons when, uh, like having a relationship or or being the family member of somebody that's like breeding livestock and selling livestock to people around you. I'm assuming that you would
1: yep, that you too. would like it yep.
0: and then you would not like it too because maybe you don't get the best stuff because they need to sell their – they need to get the name out yep. there, you know?
1: Yep. There's a lot of – yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent.
0: Now, when you were uh, kind of coming up, did I, – I know we talked um, – We talked earlier about doing this interview and and we had some ideas about an outline that we would follow. And I know one part was we wanted to talk about you being a young woman coming up in the industry. And I I want to give you this time to speak on that, but I want to know my question to you first is, did you ever, and I don't know how to phrase this, I guess I should have thought about this before having this interview. Like just this second right now, but did you yeah, ever have yeah. the realization of, oh, it's gonna be harder for me, and I don't want it. I don't want that to sound like that. I'm like putting any blame on anywhere, but like no, did you have no, no, a no, 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 no. That's a
1: really good way to phrase it. Yeah. So, um, I guess I can just kind of talk on it a bit, and I'll answer your question once I get into it more. So, um, uh, my mom and my stepdad, Dad, and this is again, this is all going to come full circle. They got married when I was seven. So, uh, my sister and I were immediately fully immersed in raising livestock and doing everything it takes to raise pigs, right? Like midnight farrowings, scraping icy Cargills. I mean, we did all of it. We were never treated like it mattered from a real young and not even uh, even with my dad with everybody in my family um my sister and i were raised to work our asses off um and anybody that knows rick fogel my stepdad (laughs) or have been around him quite a bit he is a competitive sob he is a worker. He is a perfectionist. He likes things done the right way. And darn it, if we're gonna do something, we're gonna do it right. So my sister and I were really raised in that mindset. And we were tough, hardworking rock stars when we were seven to ten. Like we did everything that needed done. So with that being said, I don't think that I ever even thought about it at that point in my life. I never questioned it, I never even identified that that was a thing. Um, When we were in 4-H, actually at a younger age, my mom, this is kind of where I think I had the realization, my mom uh, got my sister and I involved with livestock judging, which I'm sure we'll talk about more, and There were people in our lives through the NSR that would come and, you know, do herd visits, NSR reps that had been through the livestock judging world who had gone to junior college. And that was when my realization was because I identified the livestock judging world as something that only a man could be successful at because every single person that I knew that had gone through it that was getting called to judge shows, all of them were guys. And when I was in middle school, high school, I remember identifying. I remember having the thought. I remember where I was. I was in my bedroom. I had just gotten home from scraping pins. And I was like, damn it, I'm good enough. And I can identify what a good piece of livestock is and what a bad piece of livestock is. And I'm good enough to go do that at the level that these people around me are doing it at. But I don't think that that's a place where women are as pro. Are. Like, that's a man-dominated world, and it's going to take a lot to be able to be a part of that. And obviously, you know, today, it's 2020, things have changed a lot. But I remember very, very clearly there was a specific NSR rep that was very close with our family, um, Blaine Evans. He now, he's no longer with the NSR, but he was Shout somebody that really pushed me. To... I love Blaine. Shout out I to love Blaine. Blaine. He is the so reason much. that I... He is the reason 100% that I went and judged in junior college because he was the person that told me, Jenna, it does not matter. You are good enough. Like you are a good stock kid. There are women that can go in there and do it and you can do it. It is, it's a male dominated world, but it's okay. Like you are 100% capable. So I don't think that I had that realization until that point in my life when I kind of identified that I wanted to do collegiate judging And then from there, um, you know, obviously, even today, there's plenty of extremely capable women that have gone through it that I look up to that I personally think should be getting more phone calls. (laughs) But that's another rabbit hole we can go down. But definitely, when I was at the age where I was starting to think about college and that sort of thing, I remember very clearly identifying in my head, this is dominated world and it's gonna not be a walk in the park to go in there and be good at it and be successful at it um when that's definitely where the guys are prominent
0: yeah yeah and and like you said it's 2020 and things have changed but certainly there are still like there's still guys getting asked to judge shows more than girls i mean and i i don't want to like say that like I'm not trying to be, like, the male feminist guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, believe <laughs> oh, 100%. Every, I, I believe we're all equal, okay? I mean, I think there should be more gals getting calls to judge these shows. But I think you're right. I mean, there there still is this kind of stigma in terms of, I, I think, getting women to judge shows. I think that is definitely something, something that needs to be fixed.
1: And something else, like, even on a broader topic, let's be honest, like, <laughs> Strong women intimidate people. Like, like, end of story. That is a, I don't care who you are, whether we're talking about politicians, whether we're talking about people in the livestock industry, whether we're just talking about difficult professors, right? Like, strong, assertive women that have their crap together, know what they want, stand up for what they believe in, and have a voice scare the shit out of people. And and i that is a hill i will die on that is 100 percent the truth and i am a woman saying that because i'm a strong woman and i know what i want but hell strong women scare me like (laughs) because it is it was a stigma for so long and that's just the cultural shift that's starting to happen that i think it makes people uncomfortable strong people, whether it's men or women, make people uncomfortable, but strong women especially are certainly intimidating. So I feel like that plays into it as well, just from a culture standpoint. And of course, like we both have said, it's 2020 and shifts are happening, but I think it's still going to take time for women to really have that platform and have the 100% opportunity that what men do right now.
0: I think you're right. And, um, it's uh it's all about confidence right i mean that's kind of what you're talking about it's it's really it's all about confidence and and being able to exude confidence and still be able to kind of hold yourself together you know i think i think it's happening more and more i mean we've seen the last like four years in collegiate livestock judging women have been kicking ass i mean i think when i was judging yeah jesse judge no, I, I was judging against her. I couldn't hold a candle to Jesse. Judge. She was kicking my butt every single contest. It didn't matter what, oh, like how oh yeah. good those I did. girls
1: are rock stars. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I, I think it. I think it is changing me. I mean, we're really learning that. Hey, gals are good at this too, and now they're getting the exposure to show how good they are. Uh, it, it's. I think it's right. gonna be awesome. But it, it would be hard uh, in terms of kind of finding a role in the industry and I know you sent me um, a text saying it finding your place and like you worded it so well you said like finding your place in an industry that's moving at 500 miles an hour and I I read that like 5,000 times because that is exactly (laughs) the way that I feel currently about the industry like uh, currently about myself in the industry like this move this it's moving so fast how do you keep up with it how do you try to uh how do you try to just do something within the industry that that can be a powerful movement and it's very very hard to do
1: i think it's really hard especially um you know my roommate and i have talked about this frequently shout out to nicole um we have talked about it frequently because both Both of us are in a similar position to where we were raised showing livestock, raising livestock, having incredible opportunities. Both of us are at the point in our lives where I think I said earlier, uh, we no longer have sows. Uh, My mom and stepdad, excuse me, we dispersed uh, two years ago almost um, just for whatever. You know, there's a lot going on. I went to college. I moved six hours away. My sister was getting married. There was a lot happening. And it's hard to find your I just feel a little lost now because, you know, that was a part of my life for so long. Right. And then you go to college and I started judging and I found my place in that sector of the world. But at the same point, I don't have livestock at home to go home to. And now, you know, I'm in college at senior college judging. I'm in school. I'm trying to find a professional career. And it's so hard to find that balance and find that sweet spot because When I live 11 hours from home, I can't have five or six sows back in Ohio that I'm expecting somebody else to take care of and raise and do all the hard work. But in the same breath, how do you stay involved? How do you stay relevant, for lack of better words, when things are moving so fast? And I like to tie it all back to judging because at the end of the day, let's be honest, to getting To be getting phone calls to judge shows, you have to be one of two things. You have to be somebody that is raising badass livestock that are doing well, that are making noise, and that are being noticed by the industry. Or you need to be somebody that is really, really, really relevant in the judging world, whether that's a collegiate coach, whether that's those people that are winning all the contests. Really, that's the only two ways to stay relevant. So when you're in a position like what myself and other people are in, I think it's hard to find that sweet spot of, I need to find what I do want to do professionally and have a great career and make good money. I want to be involved in the industry that gave back to me, that made me who I am and give back and be a part of that. And I want to be able to tap back into raising livestock at some point in my life. But for a lot of people, it's a hard time right now, because again, whether it's distance or whether it's personal things going on. It's not always possible to make it all happen.
0: Unitedharvest.com is having some incredible holiday sales for you and your family this year. Go check out their entire catalog of beef, Angus, Wagyu cross, uh, purebred Angus, we got Hoot pork, and we got American grass-fed lamb. Go try out any of those products at unitedharvest.com. Enter the promo code FRIENDS15 for 15% off your first order, unitedharvest.com. I think it's very hard for especially um, our generation, and I know you're a little bit younger than I am, but our generation for sure just because I, in the past 10 years, it's it, it feels like it's really just accelerated so fast. I mean, I, I feel like if I was, if I would have been, been born like 10 years earlier, I could have kind of just slid into place in this industry and into whatever I wanted to do. But now there's just so many people seeing the potential of our little niche industry. I'm not even talking the ag industry as a a whole, but just our show industry. And there's people that are wanting to make it a livelihood. So many people, in fact, that it's becoming pretty difficult.
1: Right. And even on the same, in the same breath, you know, Whether we're talking about, like you said, there's so many people trying to raise livestock and make a living out of it. And that's what we want, right? We want growth. We talk about how it's the best place to raise kids and how we're welcoming and we're a big family. And that's so true. But not only is that making it hard to raise livestock, but again, going back to that judging thing, it used to be to where there was only, what, three or four dominant JUCOs in the whole country. And now... Hell, it's you have no idea who's going to win the next contest. Yeah. There's so many talented kids. There's so many talented coaches. There's so many programs that are growing. It's the same concept. There's so much turnover in people to where you've really got to – have your crap together. You really have to be on top of your game whether it's raising livestock or being in the judging industry to stay relevant before, you know, the next person comes along. It's the same concept whether it's, you know, trying to sell pigs, trying to sell sheep or like, you know, we talked about trying to judge big shows.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right, but I think this competition, I mean, we're talking about it like or I kind of had it with a negative connotation, but it, it is a great thing for our industry. I mean, our industry is changing so fast. I hope it slows down, but it's changing so fast that we're being able to see so many new things every single year. I mean, we get to see new things become a part of the industry, uh, new trends. I mean, these podcasts are like two, three years old, something, uh, and people yeah. really, really like these deals. So it's yep. it's going to be interesting to see how how we continue to change and how people like us uh, continue to adapt with it, but you're 100% right. It's, it's just like marketing or selling anything. I mean, it's, it's all gonna be in competition, that's what um, capitalism is, right?
1: Right, right, all good things, but it's just, it's wild to look back, at. even like when we first, when I was first involved in it from the very beginning to look at where it is now, it's just crazy.
0: Oh, it's crazy, I talk about it all the time, but like for the first three years that I started showing, I went to a sale where you pick a, you, you picked a lottery number for 300 bucks and whatever yep. your number was that's what pick you got out of like whatever was yep. in the barn and that was the best that was uh, the best way to pick your livestock for that year
1: <laughs> Yeah Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, heck, I remember the very first World Pork Expo that my sister and my family and I went to. This is a wild concept to some people that are in the national scale, but there was no champion overall guilt. There was the champion York guilt. There was the champion Hamp guilt, but there was not a supreme guilt at the World Pork Expo. Yeah, because our very first year there was 2007. And my sister was the champion York Guilt. And the very next year was the year that they started the Supreme Guilt Drive. So it's just wild to look back and think, wow, that, that was only 13 years ago. And there was no Supreme Guilt. Like, imagine going to a show now and there's no Supreme Guilt. That doesn't happen.
0: I know. Our competitive drive has really shaped our shows these days, for oh, sure. I mean, 100%. everybody, everybody wants that banner, and then they want the next banner that says they're the they're the best out of everybody, <laughs> all the peers.
1: Yeah, oh. yeah, and I think I think that that's great, and I think that we're all, and I know this will put me on a soapbox, but hearing you say that's got me going, and I I am a competitive competitive person. But I think it's – I hope that this year, especially 2020 and shows getting canceled, I hope that it gave people perspective on, you know, this is something that is a privilege to get to do and that livestock shows are – in my case, I think they're essential, and I know you probably do too, but a lot of people deemed them not essential this year and got canceled. So I hope that people, especially this year – took a second, took a step back, and hugged their parents and said thank you because we talk about how it's the best industry to be a part of, but I think we can lose sight of it sometimes. I know I have a time or two before been angry, you know, for getting second class or whatever. Who cares? Like, I know that you probably feel the same way. You just talked about the lottery system. Heck, that's what we did with Steers when I first started showing too. So, I mean, just I wish that more kids had the opportunity to experience those smaller beginnings like you and I have. Because then I think it really helps you appreciate it more and kind of be taken back to earth, back down to earth, and be humbled a bit, for lack of better words.
0: <laughs> for sure, no. And I think this this little break will give people the opportunity to really think about like what's important in this industry. It's yeah. it's what is important is being able to have these kids show livestock. Like at the end yep. of the day, we need to get them in a ring with somebody yep. that can get on a mic and place them. That's like the most important thing and uh and we've been talking about how this industry is growing and people are trying to uh, build a livelihood out of this deal but i know this is something we wanted to talk about as well just making sure that we just continue on the right track of understanding that we're trying to build this industry larger so that we can get more people involved in this industry not to not to ostracize people that are looking in and thinking oh that that takes a lot of work to actually get into and maybe they're not very nice because we're the new guys or something like that.
1: Right. Yep. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I agree. I could not agree more. I can. And even like you said, you know, with how competitive it's getting, how much it's growing, you know, let's be honest, it costs a lot to be a part of it, right? Like it's not cheap to travel to Des Moines, Iowa and go to the world. Expo. it's not cheap to do those things. So I hope that, you know, as we continue to let more people in that we still are brought back down to earth to remember why we're doing it and keep the kids first, do it for the right reasons and put our egos aside. Because I know as a competitive person and as somebody that was raised by competitive people, it's easy to, from time to time, you know, lose sight of that and have to bring yourself back down to earth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and I know I feel like I talk about this on like every episode that I'm talking with somebody like that that's in the show arena still in that sector still, uh, just talking about like how we maintain this industry to where we're more conducive to like new families and and we're more open to teaching people our ways and not maybe not necessarily tricks. I don't like to call anything a trick, but like just little tricks of the trade, I guess. that That's really what we need to be doing is not hiding our success, but telling people, hey, this is how I got my success. If you're yeah. new here, we can get you to this within like two to three years.
1: Right, and I think that even on that same note, something that I know a lot of people could probably use being told is like, winning is not normal. like. That is, and anybody who thinks winning is normal needs to get that out of their head because they're like winning is fun. Winning is great. I'm competitive. I've been successful in areas of my life that because, you know, I've worked hard and I've put myself in the position to do certain things, but winning is rare and having the privilege to compete at any level doing anything at all. Is something to be thankful for, and winning is just like the extra cherry on top. My mom used to always say, whenever we were shown hogs anywhere, I'd get all worked up. My sister would get all worked up. My stepdad would get all worked up, get all nervous. You know, you're feeding the pigs, you don't let them lay down, you're going hard. And she's like, guys, you got to get weighed first. You can't do anything until you get weighed back. And she always did a good job of keeping us, you know, grounded there because I think we can get so caught up in. I want to be the champion bear at the Ohio State Fair where you can forget the fact that if you can't even keep them within 15 pounds of your declared weight, you're out, sis. Like, you got to get weighed first. And I know that she said that all the time. Shout out to mom if she listens to this. But that is something that I think helps keep me grounded a lot in life. Like, I look back and think, you got to get weighed first, Jenna. Chill out. Like, you can't be 15 steps ahead of where you want to be. You got to Take everything one step, step at a time and be patient because winning is rare. It doesn't happen to everybody all the time overnight. Even though I know it can seem like that when you're looking at other people, you got to focus on yourself and be patient because success happens. It just takes time.
0: Yeah. And it, it feels good to fail sometimes. I mean, afterwards, not during.
1: Afterwards.
0: <laughs> afterwards.
1: Afterwards. Definitely during, not so much.
0: <laughs> during it, it, during is really really bad. But maybe like five years down the road, you can look back at it with some fond memories and say, "Oh, oh for sure, yeah, for sure." Uh, now I know uh, you, you. This is a concept that you kind of threw at me, and I wanted to give it uh, um, its due justice, okay. and I want you to kind of go through. Some things that I mean, you said it to me like eighteen, eighteen things I wish I knew, basically. Yeah. Wow. Uh When I, when I was like, did you mean when you were showing when you were kind of coming up? What what did you mean by that?
1: Um, I don't know. I feel like, ah, hell, I'm twenty, right? I'm young. I got a lot of life to live. But in the same notion, I feel like I've. I mean, I've lived in i don't know seven different zip codes three different states i feel like i've lived a lot of life in some senses and i mean i've been through some shit and i know that everybody needs brought back down to earth every once in a while so i feel like you and i can kind of bounce off of each other and talk about some things that kind of helped us get to the point where we are i mean i think the biggest thing i wanted to say is like winning is rare be sure to slow down and be patient with life because, yeah, I could I could go on for days. But eighteen things I wish I knew when I was eighteen is something that I think would be fun for you and I to kind of bounce back and forth about. Like, what what's something, Canon, Like in your opinion, that kids in high school or like getting ready to go to college, what's something you think they need to hear?
0: Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> like just in just in life. Yeah. Just in life. I'd say just write stuff down. Honestly, like that's the first thing that comes to mind right now is just like, write, write things down, whether it, whether it be like what you have to do for that day or the next day, um, whether you want to journal, whatever you want about your life, that would probably be my uh, one of my advice. And folks listening at home, we are winging this right now, so
1: <laughs> literally winging it. <laughs>
0: yes, I, I'm a big fan of this.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I I think that's a good point because again, like that just brings you back down to earth, right? It helps you focus on what's in front of you and helps you, you know, maintain humility in your life and just try to chill out and say, okay, what do I need to do right now? Because <laughs> yeah. I I know that I can get to moving about 800 miles an hour and just forget about things that really need to be taken care of. So that's a good piece of advice. I like that.
0: I appreciate that. What's uh, what, give me give me one from you. Oh, oh yeah, I put you on the spot here. Now you I know now you, now you know how it feels.
1: I know this is going to probably get all dappy, but just freaking be grateful. Like it is. It is so easy. Even, even if you've gone through it, like we've all been through it. Everybody, I don't care what anybody says, whether it's the most successful human being, you know, or somebody that's really struggling. if like, everybody's been through something. Everybody's had hard times. Everybody's going to continue to have hard times. And you know, you're going through it. I think that's when you can really be grateful for what you have. But then when you get on the other side and life is good, I think it's easy to want more and push for more and be hungry for more. And that's great. But just get back down to the basics and be grateful for what you have. Gratitude is the secret to wealth. That's one of my favorite quotes. Like, Just remember, like, life is a gift. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity. You have a responsibility to give back to the people that gave to you just be grateful. Even if you know, you're know you having a rough day, something that my old judging coach and I used to kind of share, we'd say it back and forth. If you have a roof over your head, clothes on your back, food in your fridge and water you can drink, you're more wealthy than over half the world. So like just try to keep that in mind and it's easy to be an ungrateful college kid. Just try to bring it back down to earth. You're lucky to be in school you're lucky to be in this country, even though it might not always feel like it. <laughs> You're lucky to have clean water to drink, like just things like that. Get back down to the basics and be grateful for what you have.
0: That's a good one right there. I'd say be grateful is probably one of my favorite things to like think about as well. I know that was always told to me as a kid, uh, just because yeah. we didn't have. I, I mean, I didn't grow up with the most stuff or, or the nicest stuff, you know. So it was always important from. For my family to just say hey be grateful for what we have and and we're just gonna get by for now
1: (laughs) yep and it's and it's so easy to lose sight of that like even when you get frustrated with things like your wi-fi won't work like just take a second and breathe like you're you can see right like I, i even do that with myself sometimes if i'm having a really bad day i'm like jenna you have air in your lungs you can see what's in front of you. You have good vision, like just even small things like that. I think if you try to make that a priority in your life and then of course the bigger things too, like, you know, talking to your parents, telling them you're thankful for what they do for you, you know, having the opportunity to go to college, things of that nature. Like if you take a minute to be grateful for the things in your life and you take a minute to say thank you to the people that you need to say thank you to, that can really change your perspective, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and one thing that I did want to touch on is uh, one thing that we're both grateful for is is being able to go to school, being able to go to college uh, mm-hmm. for livestock judging. Who would have thought that? Not yep. me. Um, right, I did, I not didn't me. Ever think. <laughs> yeah, not me. I didn't ever think that I was going to be able to get school paid for, partially paid for by just going to contests and telling people what I like about livestock. That was pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. 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 I actually, um, I was originally, so when I was growing up, I was always judging in 4-H and FFA, but I was also showing livestock like we talked about, which is already a lot, but I also played volleyball. So I was playing ball year round and up until like the end of my junior year of high school, I was playing on playing volleyball in college. So like the whole concept that I'm where I'm at now and is able to judge collegiately and have opportunities I've had. I just think it's a God thing at the end of the day, because I spent so much of my life doing so many things and putting myself in the position to play volleyball. And I was getting offers from recruiters to play ball at places and then I kind of said, "Forget all you guys. I'm gonna go judge livestock." Like it's just, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to look back and see everything, all the series of events that have kind of led up to where I am now. And I'm sure that you can agree with that statement. Like it's just a God thing at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, are you a uh, are you a believer in like all th- everything happens for a reason?
1: Oh, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I have to. I. There's been so many crazy events in, you know, my personal life and my family life and my college career and my professional life. Like, when you look at everything in hindsight, it's a God thing. Like, everything happens for a reason. God has a plan. I know that's so cliche and we hear it all the time, but dang it, that's true. Like, it is. I never, like I told you, I My whole life, I thought the whole judging thing that's a man dominated world. I don't think I have what it takes to be good at that. I worked my butt off to be really good at volleyball. I set every record I could set when I was in high school. I was recruited to go play volleyball and do all of this. And then it took the right person to have the right conversation with me at the right time to tell me that I was capable of doing what I didn't think I was capable of to put me where I am now. Like it's just, it's 100% a God thing.
0: I'd like to give one more shout out to Blaine Evans really quick. For that, that, that's <laughs> pretty dang cool.
1: It is. And I don't even know. I think I told Blaine maybe once because my mom and I, it's a funny story. We were, we had just gone to a high school basketball game and my mom and I were driving home. It was like ten thirty at night. And I was like, mom, I don't, cause Blaine and I were, when he was NSR rep, he would come over and look through the pigs, to stay with us. And Blaine and I talked about that stuff quite a bit. And, I was like, Mom, I don't think I want to play ball. She's like, are you telling me we wasted all these years and all this money for you to be good at volleyball and play ball year-round and you just don't want to? I was like, I think I want to judge. I was like, I've talked to Blaine about it. I don't know. So we called Blaine on our drive home. It was like 1030 at night, and we had that conversation, and he said he gave me the names of like three or four coaches that he said I should probably try and be in contact with and kind of his two cents. And I went from there. And I th- I told Blaine one time I was like, you realize that you're the reason that I went and judged in college, right? And he's like, yeah, really? It's like, yeah, literally. I was not gonna <laughs> I was not gonna pursue that at all. So yeah, big shout out to Blaine.
0: That's funny. Yeah, it's yep. it. I had kind of a similar experience, but it was with uh, uh junior board members that yeah. kind of pushed me. I was at a. a uh, regional conference for NJSA and yeah. some junior board members were just, the, I just idolized them and I was, and they were like, yes. yeah, we judge livestock collegiately. And I, I don't even think I knew what collegiately meant. I was just like, yeah, I want to do that. I yeah. I want to do that.
1: It just takes the right person at the right time.
0: Well, it's cool to go up to those people after too and tell them like, Hey, you're the reason like you're yeah. like, you're the reason why I'm here today.
1: Yeah. And I think that like, Again, not to get too deep, but it goes back to like, you never know what people are going through and you never know what point in people's lives they're at. So, like, what you say to people and how you treat people matters so much. Because if Blaine would have, you know, he could have blew me off and he could have not put effort and time into it, but he cared enough to help me and put me in the right direction and give me the advice I needed. And again, when I, I know I told him at one point, hey, you realize that that's why. I believe that I could do what I've been doing. But I mean, at that point in time, I'm sure he had no idea. And I'm sure that, like you said, those junior board members, they probably had no idea either that they were making that kind of impact and giving you that advice that was going to help you moving forward.
0: Yeah. Mentors are, mentors are, are just people that kind of push you in directions. It's just so cool to look at them after the fact kind of like failures i don't want to (laughs) i don't want to use that as an example as mentors are like failures but it's one of those things where you can look back and you can really see the influence that somebody has had on you or had on uh the direction that you went with your life it's it's pretty cool to see and it's awesome just to keep those people around for more advice in the future especially if it's sound advice
1: yes yeah absolutely who you surround yourself with is vital to who you become. I think like if you have a really good group of mentors or a good group of friends or family, that makes a big difference. I think I listened to a podcast one time. I think it's the saying like the five people that you surround yourself with are who you become. And I think that's a really powerful statement because if you look at the people around you and you're disappointed, like make a change. It's not, it's hard, but I think that, like you said, having good mentors and good people around you really can make a huge difference.
0: For sure. And you're uh, you're at Iowa State right now, so you've got a, some great influences and mentors up there, especially if you want to be in the hog industry for the rest of your life. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I am at Iowa State. I'm in Ames. I am in person. Life is good.
0: You betcha. <laughs> Are you guys in person?
1: Yeah, so um everything is just kind of course by course. So some some classes are online, some are in person, some are hybrid, but they're working hard to keep us on campus as much as possible and give us what we're paying for for lack of better words. <laughs> but I mean, I've been fortunate.
0: That's good though.
1: Yeah, I've been fortunate to have all of my classes besides two be in person. So that's pretty good.
0: Yeah. Now after uh, Iowa State, what's your plan? I'm kind of putting you oh. on the spot here. I don't know if oh, you gosh. know this information.
1: Uh, so <laughs> we're trying to so sell you right, to some
0: jobs right here. So
1: yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, hey, if anybody in May of 2022 is looking for an employee, you got one right here. Bingo. <laughs> uh, um, right now, I am a junior, so I'm an agricultural business student with a minor in animal science. Um, to be quite honest, I know this is so vague. But I just, I want to serve the industry and protect farmers, protect agriculture. Um, I'm ag biz, so a lot of my interest is in finance and lending and kind of that side of things. Uh, Also kind of looking at policy and governmental relations. Um, But I just hope that one day I'm able to find something that, allows me to have a good professional work life and then hopefully like we talked about be able to get back to raising livestock at some point and continue to be a part of that
0: that's the goal huh
1: yep yep i know that's vague but gosh dang there's lots of opportunities it's hard to narrow it down man
0: that (laughs) that is one thing where anytime somebody asks me what my major is or, or i and i tell them they're like okay well what what would you like to do and i'm like I just tell, I, I, would, I tell them I'll get a job in industry. <laughs> That's the easiest thing that I'll tell them. It, there, yeah. there's, there's plenty of jobs in industry in the ag industry that I can look for, um, and I feel like I have made some connections along the way to where I can reach out to these people and say, "Hey, where, where are they hiring?"
1: <laughs> it's hard. There's and it's great that there's so many opportunities and like we've talked about, the industry is moving forward so quickly. But it's hard to find your spot when it's what you care about and it's what you're passionate about. It's what you want to be a part of. It's I try really hard not to narrow it down and be super specific because I know that there's so much opportunity. I don't wanna, you know, put myself in a box by any stretch.
0: Yeah. I yeah. W- I for the longest time I just told people I wanted to be an ag teacher because that was just an easy thing to say.
1: Me too. Yeah. I did the same thing, yep. Well, and part of me <laughs>
0: does want to be an ag teacher at some point in my life. I feel like at like 40, 45, I'll go into a classroom after working Spill like a, a real job for a while, after I've had some experience. <laughs> yeah.
1: Spill your wisdom to the kids.
0: Exactly, yes. <laughs> I'll say, hey, kids, we're going to listen to all these podcast episodes I did 20
1: years ago. <laughs> You're going to take notes. <laughs>
0: You're gonna learn. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh gosh, no, but I—that was an easy thing to say for a while. But I don't know. It's being an ag teacher is—is is, I don't even want to talk about it on the podcast because I'm probably gonna get yelled at by people that are ag teachers. But it's just shout
1: out to ag teachers.
0: Shout out to ag teachers. It you is guys, a job that needs more money. Yep, that's for sure. That
1: oh my gosh, they are. If you're a good ag teacher. You're a rock star. We love you. Yeah,
0: yeah. Shout out to good ag teachers. I think it—that's it, a cool thing with everybody that is like going to be on this podcast. Everybody on this podcast that I've interviewed has probably had a really, really good ag teacher. Because if you didn't, you probably wouldn't be further in the ag industry.
1: Right. Right.
0: That's interesting. Good, I hadn't thought about good, that before.
1: Good ag teachers are—they are incredible. I. They are. I we could talk about that for days, but just like going back to mentors, like having somebody that pushes you and puts you in positions to have the right opportunities, they are the people that make the world go around. Ag teachers, if you're listening, you are amazing because I don't know if I could ever do that.
0: <laughs> Shout out to all the ag teachers ever.
1: Oh, um, that's, and then, that's a lot of time.
0: If you are an ag teacher, tell your kids to listen to the show with Cannon Brown.
1: Yeah, yeah, please.
0: Um, or the keeper <laughs> pen, or legendary mindset, or the cattle pros. Um, all of them. All of them. Uh, Jenna, get shout out all your socials. Let's get your socials out here.
1: Yep. So um, I got to think about that. I don't even know my social. Well. My, you know, my Facebook is my name, Jenna Siegel, because I guess everybody uses Facebook these days. If you want to see their political rants, um, my Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> my Instagram handle is Siegel Jenna, so S I E G E L J E N N A, and my Twitter is Jenna. I think it's Siegel Jenna. Yeah, I think everything's Siegel Jenna. So it's easy to find. It's easy to find me. Yeah. I also have a lot of nicknames. So if anybody out there. Like I'll list out my nicknames for you here, but if anybody out there knows me as Stephanie, that's also you know it's my name's actually Jenna, not Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I, Pannon, I legitimately have okay. So my legal name is Jennifer. So people call me Jennifer. I go by Jenna, Jen, Jenny, Stephanie. My dad calls me Sam. I got a lot of nicknames. So, if you identify me with any of those names, you will not find me as social media as that. I am just Eagle Jenna.
0: <laughs> your why does your dad call you Sam?
1: <laughs> I don't know. He always has. Shout out to my dad. Love you, dad. Shout out. But he he always called he's called me that since I was like a toddler. He always has. And every single time he leaves me a voicemail, I think it's hilarious, and I will play his voicemails for my friends because I think it's so funny. Every time he leaves me a voicemail, it goes, hey, Sam, it's your dad. Give me a call. I have, like, 30 voicemails from my dad where they're all, hey, Sam, it's your dad. Give me a call back. So shout out to dad. I don't know why my nickname is Sam, but it just is. He's always called me that.
0: That's fine. I think uh... – That I'm jealous. Actually, I've never once had a nickname. Actually, I've I've had one nickname, but it doesn't really stick ever.
1: (laughs) I have a lot, and I go by a lot of things. It just depends on the day. Like my coach, Chris Cassidy, shout to Chris. He calls me Stephanie all the time. He emailed me one time and addressed it to Steph. Like I, I don't know. I have a lot of nicknames.
0: (laughs) Interesting. I, yeah. I I want to dive into this further. Uh, okay. Maybe at a later time when we figure out what we need to figure out why your dad started calling you Sam first of all. Yeah. Uh, and then Stephanie, I Stephanie's yeah, so just the-
1: <laughs> what? So the yeah, the so. One of my friends, this is not that great of a story, but for some reason it stuck. One of my friends was on FaceTime with her brother, and we were talking to him, and he was like, what's your name? And I said, Jenna. And for some reason, he thought I said Stephanie. I don't know. It was just a funny moment, and it stuck. (laughs) So now everybody calls me Stephanie. Like, my coach calls me Steph all the time. My teammates call me Stephanie my roommate calls me Stephanie. I don't know. It it stuck for some reason, but it's not that great of a story behind it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I respond to it.
0: Well, there you go. I mean, as long as you, they can get your attention with it, that's all that matters, right?
1: <sighs> yeah. So Maybe you should just looking- start
0: like not giving them attention when you when they say those names.
1: Unless yeah, you secretly
0: I, like having nicknames. I think you secretly like having I nicknames. Oh,
1: I love it. I love okay. having a nickname. Okay, perfect. Jennifer, Jen, Jenny, Jenna, Stephanie, Sam. I'll reply to any of them.
0: Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, anybody on the street that sees Jenna, Stephanie, Jenny, Jen, Sam, or Jennifer, uh, call, them, call her
1: by any of those names. <laughs> I will respond. Perfect.
0: <laughs> Well, Jenna, hey, I appreciate you taking your time uh, to sit down and talk with me. I'm sure this will not be the last time. You're going to be a reoccurring guest now, so.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Time's limited, so you must listen carefully.